0: Hello, my friends, welcome to The Jerick Show, the show that brings you all the latest and greatest cybersecurity news in a very timely manner. Unfortunately, because of my co-host, it is often poorly presented.
1: Welcome to The Jerick Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics poorly presented.
0: Yes, 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 we are back again. It's another Friday, Friday, uh, the 21st of October 2022. Uh, summer is well and truly over here in London. It's starting to rain, but you know, nothing can be more miserable than
1: Eric's face. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, well done so far today, and uh, yeah, what is up over there? You got rain, you got another prime minister coming in where you just shuffle through them till you find one you like How, what's up with y'all it's 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 like a the, the the slot machines you just like you know <laughs>
0: you no know, don't like it put another coin in have another spin uh it's it's just um yeah and and, and the tories just keep um coming and going the tories so anyway uh yeah, we, we we are losing our current like shortest. You know, apparently Formula One teams are after her for the pit stops because of the way she gets in <laughs> and out so quickly, like the, the-
1: <laughs> Well, you know, the nice thing about it is that um your your British pound is coming down to almost what the US dollar is, which is gonna make it kind of nice to go visit you.
0: It's terrible. For, for me, and I'm visiting uh, the US in a few weeks, it's just like I'm looking at prices. I'm like, why? Because I don't know, when I first started going, it was it was almost like $2 to the pound. It wasn't quite $2 to the pound, but it was kind of up there, one seventy or something. Everything felt so cheap, like, oh, you want this? I'll, I'll pay cash. I'll even tip you double. That's all right. That's only a fiver for me. And now it's like, ah, wow, I come from a third world country (laughs) where we have an unstable democracy. Our currency is not worth as much anymore. Uh,
1: You know, I heard a rumor that um, the way things are going, um, there will be some sort of a a vote between the the parliament or something like that. And there's even a chance that your past prime minister could be reelected to his spot. Is that true? That is something
0: on the cards. Yes, apparently so.
1: (laughs) That would be kind of ironic. (laughs) One of those, did you miss me? (laughs) Exactly.
0: We return to our regularly scheduled programming after that brief interruption.
1: (laughs) You know, I saw a pretty interesting um, video, uh, a a little snippet where somebody had put up there who will last longer, her or this head of lettuce. And apparently the head of lettuce has won. Have you exactly. seen that? Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when about a couple of weeks ago, someone put it up and they were live streaming the 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 lettuce and and the, the cabbage at number 10. So um, you know, it's um, yeah, the
1: lettuce <laughs> one. Well, enough of this fun. Um let's talk about the rest of the world and the cabbage floating around out there as well, Javad. Speaking of cabbages, um,
0: you know, it's uh... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, people sometimes make some some bad decisions and some bad choices in life, like you know, something your mother knows all about the, since the moment she laid eyes on you. So um, but you know, there was um there there are a lot of romance scams that go on, oh, yeah. but this one is really out of this world. The scammer believe the scammer portrayed himself as being a Russian astronaut. Situated on the International Space Station, and he <laughs> swindled this 65 year old Japanese lady into believing that he was madly in love with her and he desperately wanted to meet her. But uh, in order to get back to Earth, he needed something like $30,000 to be able to make that one way trip, and so she sent him $30,000 over a period of time and uh yeah she finally lost patience and uh reported him to the police and they told her they broke the news i i don't i don't know how you would break the news to someone like that that your boyfriend who you think is an astronaut on the international space station isn't but you know uh these things happen and as our colleague roger grimes often tells us he he once wrote an article for about romance scams this years ago. And he says like, even now he gets like several emails a month where people are like so-and-so family member is caught up in this romance scam. Uh, We're trying to tell them that it's a scam. Please. Can you help us? And he's like, there's literally nothing. The once people have the blinkers on and, you know, you catch someone at the emotionally right or the wrong state. uh, You know, you, you can convince them that, you know, oh, I, I, I'm in love with you, and we're, we're meant to be soulmates and everything. And then next thing you know, you're spending like, you know, thousands of dollars on on, on them because their dog needs an operation, or their family yeah. members sick, or, you know, they need the plane tickets to come over to to see you. And it, it just,
1: it, it becomes a sad spiral. Well, you know, in this case, at least I think probably by the time she contacted law enforcement, she was pretty sure she wasn't really dating an astronaut on the international space station. So at least that kind of thing happens. Um, But yeah, you're so right. Once they get into this, once they're, they're so focused on this and the emotions are there, they will rationalize pretty much anything to avoid admitting that this person isn't who they thought it was. Uh, And it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate. It really is. Um, and it's it's so much with the emotions. It is. It is.
0: And, and then there's the shame associated with it, isn't it? You, yeah. you think, yeah. like, how can it pos- be possible that I fell for something like this? So, like you said, you do the mental gymnastics and you convince yourself of a reality that, you know, maybe we- it's true they can't do a video call because there's no video capability on the space station and that's why they lose connection for when they're on the other side of the earth and there's no satellites to call me and bloody blah, 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 blah.
1: Well, and people do have to face their families. Who's been telling them for the last couple of months, this person's ripping you off and they've been saying, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. And then when it becomes apparent, that's a hard pill to swallow. It is. It is indeed. So
0: what, what would you say if, 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 uh, someone came to you and said like, you know, I've met this wonderful person online and now I'm sending them money. Uh, what advice would you say?
1: I, I would ask them if I could borrow 100 or 50 bucks now while they still have it, because <laughs> they're not going to. And and once they realize that this person's been bilking them, the money I borrowed means nothing to them. Yeah, good
0: advice. <laughs> Anyway, there's this small software company, I don't know if you know, uh, called Microsoft. And they had a little bit of a a whoopsie uh, by misconfiguring a server and it was available over the internet. And uh, there was uh, some researchers, plucky researchers, isn't it? Plucky. It's the underdogs. Uh, A firm called Sock Radar, who I've never heard of, but they they informed them of the leak. And, um, you know... Microsoft said, Oh dear, but this this has become quite big, hasn't it? In in terms yeah,
1: of I'm, news. I'm actually quite surprised that this has become big. I mean, I in, in all fairness, I've I've been I've been quoted on this a number of times in, in some yeah. media articles, and I'm shocked because when I first got the request for you know putting together like a, a comment on this, I was kind of like, Where's the story here? There really wasn't much to this. This is just one of those, eh. And I guess the reason that I I included it in this week's talk was, um, it, it's a lesson that not even Microsoft can secure all of the Microsoft stuff. So keep this in mind. You know, like if, if you miss something, if if something goes wrong, and uh, and you misconfigure something, don't don't beat yourself up too bad about it. Because even the people that write the code can't secure the code a hundred percent of the time. That was actually the reason I put this on here. Um, the yeah. the angle that I I took on this when I was chatting about it was actually around the fact that uh, what was lost, what was leaked, uh, had to do with customer interactions or potential customer interactions, which could include like network diagrams and some sensitive stuff like that, that you may not want to have released out to the public. So it seems kind of mundane. They're kind of playing it down like, ah, it was only a couple, you know, a hundred something people. And, but the information that you would provide them as they're working on a solution for you may include a lot of your vulnerabilities and stuff. And now that's maybe kind of flapping out in the wind a little bit for some organizations. So it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I I think from,
0: from, for me, what one of the things I took away from this is that vendors do, typically a poor job at securing by default so when things come out the box or when you Mm -hmm. spin up a new instance it's not really secured by default in many cases i read a a report recent uh, just a blog post actually recently um about azure resources and they said that if you create a new key vault in azure um the firewall is disabled by default and oh I was quite surprised to to hear that. So I was like, well, this is something where, again, you you have to go into different different, uh, uh, settings and go through everything. I mean, ideally what they should do, just provide everything secure by default and then force you to manually go through and open up what you need to open up, especially when it's all cloud-based. On-prem, you could still get, excuse me, you could still get away with some stuff because not everything's publicly exposed. Um, But when it's on the cloud and it's, it really should be uh, uh, better secured by default.
1: Yeah, That's I agree. And if you're an organization and you're doing stuff in the cloud, think about having things like two person integrity on stuff where there's two people looking at something when a change is made, especially one that has, could in any way, shape or form impact the availability of data. Um, you want a second set of eyes on that because you, know, you mentioned on-prem, if somebody has an on-prem system that's not internet connected and they accidentally open up a file folder for view all to everybody you kind of have to be in the network to be able to see it where mm-hmm. when it's sitting out on the internet which is being scanned constantly and people are looking for this constantly it is more of a threat out there it is indeed it is indeed 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 indeed,
0: indeed, indeed. um china yeah.
1: <laughs> police stations in Nigeria. <laughs> yeah, there's so much sketchy stuff in this story when I was it's reading right. it. I was kind of like, whoa, well, wait a minute. So, yes. Uh, yeah, oh, just Jonathan. like Rocky Keys, two people in the yes. end. exactly. Yes, there you yes. go. Yes. Exactly. And I, they got to be more it. than 6 feet apart, right, Jonathan?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So so you don't <laughs> want like someone with really long <laughs> arms to be able to like reach them both <laughs> and turn the keys at the same time. Right, but, right. But, you know, one thing I have to say about uh about to, two person sort of checks and I'll just take away the story so people don't start reading ahead like they do your slides because your slides are full of data no they're not but um one of the things that I I've actually seen it work really well to satisfy auditors but in practice sometimes it doesn't work very well Uh, it's like when people are, are physically separate and say like on payment systems I've seen it work really well where someone has to input the, the the amount and then they send it over to in the system and then someone else has to approve it or what have you. But yeah. the problem is when people are physically in close proximity, it's just about shouting over the, the cubicle wall, say, Eric, do you mind? I just put this in, just, just authorize it. And after a while, people just get used to trusting each other and they will just do it. There, there, was, there was a time I, I had to do a, uh, this is like really early in my career when I knew nothing. And now I know next to nothing. So it was. It, I have that slight improvement now. But there was a HSM um, key exchange that needed to be done as part of a project. And I had half the password and someone else had half, the other half of the password. But I got to the console now. I, I, I... Thank you for the music. Thank you. <laughs> Fine. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story now. <laughs> Talk to us about the. This is so weird. China opening up a police station in Nigeria. It says yeah. there are fifty-four <laughs>
1: overseas police service stations in thirty different countries. What is this all about? Originally? Yeah, apparently there's one in New York City too. These Chinese police stations, which is kind of crazy, right? um They're saying that they're they're cracking down on fraudsters that are going overseas and doing fraud stuff, right? Um, it just made me kind of go, huh, but there's a lot of talk here about putting pressure and threats on the family and stuff for people that they don't want to be over there anymore, apparently, once they've made it over here. Um, so they were saying, yeah, in uh, the operations have resulted in 230,000 Chinese nationals being, quote-unquote, persuaded to return to China, quote-unquote, voluntarily in the last year. Wow to face criminal prosecution, voluntarily go back to China to, uh to face criminal prosecution. I'm sure there are no strong arm tactics whatsoever being used by that government in places like this, this is really weird. Such. This is really weird because I, I mean
0: to have external police forces in your country, I mean, that's what extradition treaties and everything are all about. That's, why you do it and this feels like really 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 sketchy sketchy as you like
1: it it is it is it's something that i think um i kind of want to keep an eye on this and see how this goes in the future because this is uh yeah this is really as my kids would say sketch sketch yes okay so so you just dated me because i called it sketchy
0: yeah proves that i am over the age of 30 so okay right (laughs) Police tricked a ransomware gang into handing over its
1: decryption keys. <laughs> I love it. I love it. not is just
0: the best story ever. That's the yeah, best so, headline.
1: So this was the Dutch police. And I, I'm honestly trying to figure out how they did it. Like they say how they did it, but I don't understand how how it worked. Okay. So this group was targeting a lot of NASS, okay? Like um the the QNAPs and and stuff like that. Um there's been some some pretty serious um Vulnerabilities in those, but they've been getting in them, M&M. and uh, of course, kicking off the ransomware and all that kind of good stuff. Well, the Dutch apparently were kind of sick of it, and they turned around, and what they did is they ended up paying this group, getting the keys, and then somehow or another retracting the cryptocurrency transactions, and they they ended up getting, I think it was 150 different keys. Before the ransomware group went, hold on a second and uh, and shut things down, which opens up another can of worms. We don't hear about a lot of ransomware. They're talking about 150 groups that they got the keys from uh, these attackers for and turned them over for free. Okay. Um, but how many times do we hear of ransomware? attacks versus how often do they happen that that was one of the things that went into you know into my brain when i read this
0: yeah yeah so so i think it, it's it's one of those things like how many of them are like individuals at home they got here how many were like just small businesses and they're like screw it let's just rebuild uh we, we've only got shopping lists on there anyway so there's well, in, probably like a, a lot of smaller ones but
1: in this case though these were ones the ones that the the government went after first were ones that had been reported to them so there mm-hmm. were like 130 or so that had been reported to them that they went and got the info from and so that's if, if you think about that's the reported number how many are the unreported numbers then That's that's a
0: lot that's a lot It is it's a lot a lot a lot a lot yeah it's almost as
1: uh, hmm, hmm, yeah. So, uh, I, I actually heard from uh, somebody, it was uh, one of the FBI folks, one of the sector heads, um, sector chiefs yesterday was saying that only 20 to 30 percent of ransomware events are reported to the government, which I thought was like, wow, okay, and and I get it, especially when we're talking about like. Here and and the FBI, you know, when cybercrime happens, how many of us want to go to corporate counsel and say, hey, I'd really like the feds poking around in our stuff for a while. Is that Mm -hmm. cool? Right. Your corporate counsel is probably going to be like, not sure I love that. So, you know, they try to keep it a little quiet, I think, in a lot of cases. Yes. 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 I mean, there's always something
0: they're going to find. They're going to be like, we're here to help you with ransomware. Oh, we found some inconsistencies with your accounting records or your background checks. And like, you didn't tell us that your CEO was a convicted felon who, <laughs> who's got a new identity.
1: What um, was it? The, uh, the SBA, the Software Business Alliance, used to be able to, you know, oh, we'd like to do an audit for, for Microsoft and we're here to help you. And then they're like, Oh, you don't have a license for that. Next thing <laughs> you know, you know, uh, and so the idea is you just thank them for their time, close the door and don't let them in, in the first dang place. <laughs> it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that that was one of the shadier things that I recall, uh, from my past when they would do stuff like that and, and audit your licensing and, and then kind of hit people pretty hard over that sometimes that was an expensive endeavor. If they found that, uh, that licensing wasn't being handled well.
0: There's something I just remembered and you're talking about ransomware and I, uh, like, so a couple of years ago, a Hackney council in the UK, they got hit by ransomware and they have their accounts on like all government things that they have their accounts available and they actually have a section, uh, is it in this year's one, cyber attack. Um, so it's it's really interesting because they said that the costs are estimated in between four point nine to eleven point seven million yeah so it's a big range but yeah what what's really interesting here is they give um, details about um you know systems that were down and recovery of them and then because the systems being down that they had losses on collection of on taxes yeah from, from there. And, and, and uh, you know, all, all this other thing and like, you know, other, other income sources, they lost about 800k there. So it's, I, I think it's a really good report, like the accounting reports are probably like one of those overlooked areas, like especially for government bodies or uh, uh, public companies that have to report these things, is you can go into these, these reports, and you can see exactly, because there's probably lots of things there that when the risk assessment is carried out they're not taking into account that this is the additional cost that you will incur often it's like what's the recovery cost okay how, how long will we be down for but you know there's all these business imp- uh, business impacts that go along with it that people often overlook so i, I thought it was an interesting one there it's uh, it's worthwhile having a poke around it's it's not in depth in depth it's not a complete forensic analysis but it it, it has some numbers that points you in in the right way
1: yeah if you've ever wondered what the percentages of what costs you um you know in a ransomware attack would be that would be a useful thing to look at and and try to figure out oh okay well it, it may cost this much or that much and in relative stuff so um now i know that's it for the weekly stories i would like to take a second javad please don't cut me off this time because oh no what's
0: happened oh dear uh, Eric seems to have lost his connection. Hold on. Let me see if I can reconnect him. Eric? oh,
1: There are some days, I tell you. No, on a serious note, if you're a CISSP or an ISC squared um, member, voting for bylaw changes are happening right now. And I normally wouldn't get on a pedestal like this. Um, and I'm not going to tell you which way to vote other than vote no. Um, <laughs> But, uh, in all seriousness, this is a good time for you to vote. whether you vote yes or no, I'm you know that that's your choice, quite honestly. But it's an important enough change to the bylaws of ISC squared and how they work things, um, how they get people on the board and uh, and the processes. I mean key processes within what's supposed to be a membership organization. Um, I highly recommend, you look at what's going on. Um, look on Twitter. Uh Wim Remes uh, has some stuff out there. Richard Nealon has a good explanation out there. There's a number of people that have broken down the bylaw changes um like one at a time, and this is this is a huge deal. Um and yeah, thank you, Jonathan. I I you know I can't say enough how much of a big deal this is surely because of the size of. ISC squared and the impact they can have within the, the industry. But unfortunately, I kind of feel like they're going the wrong way. And, and Jawad, you know, I was the director of member relations and services at ISC squared. I worked really hard to try to make sure it remained member focused. But they're doing things like moving the ethics committee into the corporate side, um, no longer under the direct control of the member elected board. And making it much harder to get people that aren't just somebody that the board decides, "Hey, I'd like them on there, on there." I don't agree with any of that. What do you think? Uh,
0: for 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 once, I'm in complete agreement with you and Wim, <laughs> and Richard, and everyone else that has been saying. I mean, for a member-focused organization, the 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 comms has historically been absolutely appalling. You receive yeah. the emails there it's like a lawyer has just written them and they haven't allowed anyone to humanize the language so um i'm really grateful for people to actually interpret what it means and yeah. what the impact is on the organization and helping people make a informed decision uh, you know I, I i think this and again it's it's like focusing on the wrong thing it it's like what is it the Yeah. Arranging the deck chairs on on the Titanic. (laughs) Titanic, It's it's it's, that's what this organization feels like. And you know, I've been a supporter of IC Squared for many years, but you know, I it's just not about it's just I cannot find anything that justifies supporting them or uh, you know anything that you feel like this is really for the members' benefits or this is for the board or this is for I'll tell you what, if, if you want to look at something that's set up really, really well, uh, look through the history of B-sides. And not yeah. every B-sides is perfect. Not everyone has been run brilliantly. Not every interaction will be great. But overall, it stayed true to the core message that it's a a community-led, it's, it's by the, the participants that, that are there. I I was just uh, looking, someone tweeted just recently, and they they had, like, about a dozen UK-based events over there. There's some B-sides and some, like, local, just they they call it something else, whatever. But there's, like, a half a dozen B-sides in there as well. And and I remember when the first B-sides London happened, like, 10, 12 years ago. I can't remember the year now. But that was the first time we actually had a community thing that happened because before that all we had was infosec europe and that was just a trade show you'd go there yeah. you try to nab some usb keys for free and uh <laughs> you know that was it but that was the first time and that was the first time so many of us here in in london and the uk actually got to meet each other face to face because before then yeah. it was just twitter or or whatever, and you look at where it's come today where there's like so many of these all around the country and and that's how a community works and people have benefited from it friendships have been made people have found yeah. employers employers have found employees mentors uh, have been paired up with mentee it's it's been beneficial for nearly everybody like vendors who have sponsored have 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 had like some some return on that some brand recognition yeah yeah that's the way you you build something. That's how you provide something of value. When you, it's 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 like a a, a wolf in sheep's clothing when it comes to IC squared. They they talk the talk about how we we're here for the members, we're here for the community. We're here. you're not you're here to fill your own pockets, and it's disgusting.
1: Oh, they've done some good things. Um, and the chapter program is one that I really like, and it is related to B sides in a lot of cases. The The chapters oftentimes are involved in the B sides. Um, but the chapter program was a fantastic idea, but gets so little support internally. And I, and I gotta tell you, Jada, uh, Jada Shriver, who runs the program, is an absolute gem. She is awesome, she works so hard, and she's so committed to it but from a corporate standpoint, it just doesn't feel like they care that much. Um, And it's been that way for quite some time. It's really unfortunate because they could do a lot of good things, like you said. And for a quote-unquote member-based association, to have so many members, so many of the members that are, are, are unhappy. They're like, Oh, well, I only keep this thing because I needed to get through HR hurdles. Or, you know, when you have that many people unhappy compared to the people that say, I feel like I get a huge amount of value out of my certification besides the HR piece of it. Right. Nobody ever says that you just don't see that. And, and that's where it kind of, that's where it's just very sad to me. I mean, I did. I worked very, very hard while I was there to get some things, trying to get some things going. And I had very little support. And lo and behold, I ended up not working there anymore when they eliminated my position while I
0: Oh, speaking of eliminating positions, looks like Eric's position on this show has been eliminated. So with that, uh, you know, we don't want his constant rambling and bringing the tone down. I do apologize. It was a bit of a serious show this time and we we ended on a low note. Um, I'm not, our colleague, James McQuigan, because he always has dad jokes at the ready, but I'm not going to stoop to that level. All I'm going to say is have a fantastic week. We'll see you again next Friday. Until then, stay secure, my friends.